0: It's the 70th anniversary of Israel's rebirth as a nation. It's
1: Thoroughly Jewish Thursday. Let's do it. Seventy years as
0: a nation. Most of us have grown up with that reality. Most of us have known that Israel was a nation as long as we've been on this earth. But the whole history, for these things to happen, for these things to unfold, mind-boggling, especially if you go back just a little over 70 years when two-thirds of European Jewry was wiped out by Hitler and the Nazis, and yet out of the ashes of the Holocaust, the rebirth of the modern state of Israel. Now with the total population, Jewish population, Arab population, others of well over 8 million people. It's Thoroughly Jewish Thursday. Michael Brown, welcome to the broadcast. A little later in the show, I will talk with you about Israel's rebirth and some of the significance of that and let you know how you can join us in Israel next year for the tour of a lifetime. But I want to bring on a guest now, Dear Jewish friend, Messianic Jewish friend, pastor leader for, well, since the 70s, worship leader, songwriter, and author, and he's written an amazing book. It's a unique book. I don't know of any other book that covers the same ground the same way, and I liked it so much I wrote the forward to it. It's called, For the Sake of the Fathers, A New Testament View of God's Love for the Jewish People. And my friend David Harwood has been on the air with us previously to talk about his book on God's love for all people. But here, a unique book on God's love for the Jewish people according to the New Testament. David, welcome back to The Line of Fire. Michael, it's a pleasure to be with you. All right, so David, why did you feel prompted to write this book? There are many books about Israel and prophecy. There are books about God's covenant with Israel their books about the Old Testament and God's relationship with the Jewish people, why did you feel there was there was a niche that needed to be filled?
2: I was taking a look at my work in God's True Love, which is the previous book that I wrote, and I had been challenged by some friends to actually write about God's heart for the Jewish people, since in God's True Love I use the Jewish people oftentimes as a metaphor for God's love for all of humanity. And when I began to look into this, I decided, well, I'm going to specifically focus upon the apostolic writings, the New Testament scriptures, because... Uh, I just felt that it would be something which would be helpful to uh, people who already have a burden for intercessors, for teachers, for people who are concerned along these lines, because most of the time, in my experience, people tend to take all—their foundation in these matters always tends to be specifically— uh, two texts in the Hebrew scriptures. And I thought, well, let's take a look at what it is that the New Testament has to say. And I was amazed as to the, the amount of material that's there. I mean, Michael, I, I didn't finish writing, and I, I just cut it off and then cut out 40,000 words just to, in order to get this book to be somewhat uh, reasonable in length.
0: Mm. So there, there's that much there in the New Testament about God's ongoing love for Israel. Now, because you're a pastor and you have a heart for the whole church, and you know God's love for the whole church, you start off encouraging Gentile believers as to their vital place in the body. And, and you've got a couple of pie charts. So, uh, friends, if you can picture just a pie, and let's say 99% of that pie is black, and there's one, one tiny little 1% white sliver, that represents Jew and Gentile in the earliest foundation of the church. So the first disciples, overwhelmingly Jewish, early church, overwhelmingly Jewish, and this tiny sliver of Gentiles. And then over church history, it's gone the reverse, where the overwhelming majority has been, uh, has been Gentile and the tiny minority Jewish. So, so, David, give us a picture of that. What did the early church look like? I mean, Billy Graham would have been Jewish. I mean, paint a picture, because you really explained why, paul is addressing gentile believers a certain way because they were in such a minority
2: yeah well he was he was guarding their dignity in his letters the the over, as you mentioned the overwhelming majority i mean overwhelming majority of the church and basically all of the top tier leadership were jewish believers and someone coming in from outside of that ethnic group, outside of that cultural milieu, would be saying, well, how in the world do I fit in? And it really was a culture shock to everybody involved. It's difficult to imagine what it would be like if... Uh, let's say every single person in the, uh, in, in the top tier of the body of the Messiah was uh, Jewish. And you, like, like, as you mentioned, uh, Dr. Billy Graham just passed away, but suppose that he was a, a Jewish man from Boca Raton and the Pope was a Jewish man from Brooklyn. And and uh, and basically everybody, everybody who is anybody, quote-unquote, of worldwide significance in the body of the Messiah is from a Jewish background. And then you have like a people movement amongst, uh, in the book I speak, of Scandinavians from uh, from uh, like, let's say Minnesota uh, they, they come in and it's like how in the world do we fit in and Paul speaks to them and says, listen, you are fellow citizens together with the saints. And he brings them in, he gives them dignity, and it's the dignity which the Lord has given them, because as we know, the Messiah Jesus, he already accepted them, and it's important that they would be able to see themselves as being relevant members of the body of the Messiah, and it's still the same way today. Yeah. So your heart and God's
0: heart beats for all people, And and Jesus died equally for all people. And in the Lord, we all have equal status as sons and daughters. And yet you have a chapter on God's unique love for Israel. What's unique about it? And how is that reinforced by the
2: New Testament writings? Well that's a very difficult subject to broach because usually when people ask questions about well tell me about God's love for the Jewish people they they uh, a lot of times it's it's somewhat belligerent they say does God love Jews more than he loves Gentiles and and it, it, it very rarely, actually, in my experience, has prompted me to take the time to really try to explain uh, this, the distinctions between Jewish people and non-Jewish people in, in the heart of God. One of the things that we have in the New Testament scriptures is a unique description of the way that God loves all of the Jewish people, not just the Jewish remnant, the Jewish believers in Yeshua. Mm. He says that all of the Jewish people, those who do not know and are not following with Messiah included, are beloved for the sake of the patriarchs. That is a unique love. There isn't anything like that written of any other ethnic group within the framework of the scriptures. And the fact that Paul ended up emphasizing that in Romans as he's seeking to heal the breach between Roman Gentile Christians and Roman Messianic Jews is very significant. Because he was bringing about a, the, uh, a unity which is in the Messiah, and yet it was a unity with distinctions.
0: All right, so a, a unity with distinctions, and a love that is not just for Jewish believers, but a love that that still pertains to all Jewish people, even if they're outside of the Messiah, even if they're lost, and indeed of Jesus. So neither of us believe in dual covenant. Paul did not believe in dual covenant. He did, right. did not say that Jews were saved outside of Jesus, and yet God's love remains devoted to them in a unique way because of promises he made to the patriarchs. How does the beginning of Romans 9 reinforce this
2: position? Well, the beginning of Romans 9 reinforces this position by saying that to these specific people— all of uh, the—everything which has ever been given to the Jewish people, whether it be covenants, whether it be the patriarchs, whether it be the scriptures, that they are still the current possession of all of the Jewish people, from whom comes the Messiah— The Messiah is the fruit of the work of God within the framework of the Jewish people. But Paul never says all of these things, the covenants and the promises, the scriptures, the the worship of God. he never says that these things have been transferred to the Gentile church. But everybody who does belong to the Messiah ends up participating in the, in the, uh, the, the covenantal blessings of the people of God. So the door is open open, the door is open, anybody who wants to can come in and partake of the life of God that's in the Jewish Messiah. However, Paul also said that these things, these these uh, identity markers, they still belong to Israel. They still belong to the Jewish people. This is not something which has been revoked. Rather, God has given these gifts and these callings in a way which he does not regret, and therefore it is irrevocable. This, the, uh, their, their calling, uh, their gifting, it's irrevocable.
0: All right, so right after he talks about, in Romans 9, his broken heart for his people. So he's talking about his lost people. He's not talking about the believing remnant. He said, they, verse 4 of Romans 9, they are Israelites, and to them belong. Now, you've looked at the Greek carefully. That's current, currently belong, correct? Correct. Right. And to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the temple service, and the promises. All these things still belong to them. So, David, does the New Testament clearly speak of a future purpose for Israel as a people?
2: Well, of course. Of course. I mean, Paul, Paul, made, uh, Paul took great pains to make certain that the non-Jewish believers in Rome understood that. He said it, that the acceptance of the Jewish people would bring about life from the dead. He said that, that, that the uh, That if the rejection of the Jewish people who have not believed in the Messiah Jesus is riches to the world, what will their inclusion be but greater riches? And so this, of course, speaks of the future future reconciliation which God is going to accomplish in the Messiah with the entire Jewish people.
0: All right, and and, and friends... I just want to reiterate this uh, about this new book by David Harwood, For the Sake of the Fathers, a New Testament view of God's love for the Jewish people. Uh, We're going to dig into some really fascinating things. You're going to find out about how the Nazis tried to eradicate the Jewishness of Jesus and and the misrepresentation of God's heart. But one thing that I really appreciate uh, about my friend David Harwood is his books are mind and heart and spirit. In other words, he's a careful student of the word. He studies in the original languages, and he he does his best to unpack in context what the biblical authors are saying. But he does it always out of a spirit of prayer and out of a real sense of God's heart for us. So not only will you be informed as you read this book, you will be richly edified as well. We'll be right back.
1: It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown.
0: Yes, yes, it is Thoroughly Jewish Thursday. Michael Brown here, delighted to be with you. We've got a bunch of new articles and new videos on the website. If you haven't checked it out, go to Ask Dr. Brown, askdrbrown.org, explore the digital library, check out the latest resources there, and be sure to sign up for our emails. Every week we'll be in touch with you. We'll let you know about everything that we've produced during the week, the articles, the videos, numerous, every week. So you can be right on top of things. We can be ministering to you. And we've got a great Jewish-themed e-book. It's free. It is Seven Secrets of the Real Messiah, a real eye-opener, and it's free to you. So just sign up for our email list, and we'll send that right out to you. Speaking with Pastor David Harwood, author of the brand-new book, For the Sake of the Fathers, A New Testament View of God's Love for the Jewish People, Uh, I get asked to write forwards for books and write endorsements constantly, sometimes multiple times in in a week, uh, often multiple times in a week. Uh, But this is one I thought, man, I want to be identified with this book and have the honor of writing the forward to it. David, you talk about the church misrepresenting God's heart in history. Uh, There's some real painful stuff, but it, it must be told that it is part of what happened when the church lost sight of these fundamental truths of which you speak. So, how far did things go? Give, it, give me some examples.
2: Okay, well, I think that the example that sticks out to me the most, this which uh, came as a shock to me, it, it, it's sort of common knowledge that the man who was the first editor of the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament, uh, a man named Gerhard Kittel, it, it's common knowledge that he was a Nazi. and there were, there were And we give some background to that,
0: And just to jump in, everyone with a theological library, a large theological library, every seminary, every serious student of the Greek New Testament would own this work or have access to it. Ten volumes, classic, I've owned it for many years, theological dictionary of the New Testament. The first five volumes edited by Gerhard Kittel, the last five volumes edited by Gerhard Friedrich. But as you say, it is well known that Kittel was a Nazi. Okay, back to you.
2: I stopped hearing you.
0: Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, I do now. Okay, go. Yeah, so back back to you. I was just giving the background to theological dictionary of the New Testament. So go ahead.
2: Yeah, it's it's really a, it's a crazy thing, and it, it still is the gold standard of, of uh, scholarship of the of the uh, Greek New Testament language. The thing which blew my mind was that in the first volume, the dictionary definition of agape was also written by a Nazi named Stauffer. Now. Mm. I remember uh, when, I, when I was communicating with you several years back when I was, uh, and writing about this, I said, Michael, I just don't know whether to laugh or cry. And you said both. And really, I think that that is uh, just the irony of a man writing the dictionary definition of love studied by multiplied thousands, having been a a. a a, a Nazi and not yeah. somebody who is just like, yeah, like, I'm just sort of like getting along, but someone who is actually a part of pushing that agenda. I found that to be something which is amazing. And if it's in a nutshell, uh, that is like a metaphor is what it is that we see within the framework of the church's history For the most part, the way in which the Jewish people see uh, the, the history of the Church is through the eyes of they persecuted us, they killed us, they made our lives miserable from my perspective Michael your book our hands are stained with blood should be a must reading for anybody who is concerned about how the church should be relating to the jewish people and the the uh, to to sensitize the heart of intercessors and teachers and but especially people who are involved in prayer and I hope that my book um, will also to, uh, contribute to that. But one of the things that I thought that my book might do is deal with a specific lie, which is within the framework, which, which is within the Jewish community. Uh, that lie is this— The only reason these Christians love us is because they want us all to come back into the land so that we can all uh, be—there can be a big war and Jesus can come again, and and uh, they're only in it for themselves when actually— the New Testament writings speak of a whole theology of the way in which God still loves the Jewish people, and anybody who is a disciple of Jesus and desires to actually. Oh, what's the word, identify with and commune with God's heart in these matters, they don't have to go back to Genesis 12:3. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. All they need to do is immerse themselves in the writings of the Gospels and Acts and the Epistles, because it's all there, and it's very plain, but it seems as if much of it has been hidden in plain sight.
0: Yeah, I, I'm just looking up, glancing up at some YouTube Comments from some of our viewers there. And one raises the standard argument Jesus said the kingdom of God is taken from you and given to a nation bearing fruit thereof. Uh, in point of fact, that's talking about taken away from the current Jewish leadership, and the ones that next received it were the Jewish apostles in Matthew, the 21st chapter. Another one of these verses that is taken out of context when Jesus says the kingdom of God is going to be taken from you and given to a people who will bear its fruit. And, and then it says that the Pharisees, when they heard this, they knew he was speaking about them, but they were afraid to do anything because the people, the Jewish people as a whole, thought he was a prophet. That ends up being misinterpreted to say God took things away from the Jewish people and instead gave them to the Gentiles and they no longer have a special heritage with Jews. Acts, the first chapter, mm-hmm. is that another one of these passages that's... Commonly misunderstood where their disciples say to Jesus, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel in Acts 1-6? And he replies, it's not for you to know the times and seasons the Father said by his own authority, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And that's commonly taken to that Jesus was slapping in the face, you morons, you idiots, I'm done with Israel. Uh, Another example, isn't it?
2: It's amazing to me. But in addition, they, the people who, uh, who view the text through this way are emotionally alienated from Peter. They're emotionally alienated from Paul. They do not understand the heart of the very men who are preaching these words to the Jewish mm-hmm. people. You know, when Peter... Uh, When Peter spoke and said, uh, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, perhaps what he should have said in Acts 3 is, oh, you people who used to be my brethren, I know that you acted on purpose. But he doesn't say that. He says, you acted in ignorance, and the Messiah, Jesus, where where did Peter get that from? Well, perhaps he got it from Jesus crying out in intercession, Abba, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Mm. Yeah, and, so, and
0: we we can have Jesus saying that uh, for the Roman soldiers at the cross, but we can't have them saying that for His own Jewish people.
2: Right? It's it, it, it's 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 uh, it's it's amazing. And the Lord Jesus, He does still prioritize uh, His relationship with the Jewish people. Many years ago, many years ago, it must be thirty years ago, I was at the diner in Queens after a. A, a minister's meeting, and so, uh, a couple of people that were friends of mine were, were, like, on my case about Jewish identity and things like that. It was really sort of overwhelming. And I said to uh, my friend across the table from me, I said, I know and believe that you are a sincere worshiper of the lion who was of the tribe of Judah. I am a worshiper of the lion who is of the tribe of Judah. What do the scriptures say? Yeah. <laughs> How did he respond? Uh, It ended that conversation, and we went on to things which were more
0: pleasant. (laughs) Amazing. Now, in the book, I'm looking at the table of contents. Uh, You belong to reaching out to Gentile believers, so everyone knows we have equality in Yeshua. Paul's example, God's unique love for Israel, God's love for other nations, misrepresenting God's heart. And there you'll see quotes. I mean, the the idea that Jesus was Jewish was an embarrassment for Nazis. They they, They even had a whole books written to try to disassociate Jesus from the Jewish people. But along with this, and we've just got, oh, another minute or two, you have chapters on God's anticipation Mm -hmm. and God's anguish. So Mm -hmm. just take a minute and share God's heart. What's going on in God's heart right now towards the lost sheep of the house of Israel?
2: Well, I think that Paul was not alienated from God when he's saying, my grief is driving me crazy. That's basically what he's saying. He's, he's, I'm, I'm filled with anguish. Um, my people are, are, are lost. I would, I wish that I could be cut off for their sake. Are we to believe? That Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, is writing to Gentile believers and is saying, look, you know, I want to give you God's heart, but now I don't want to talk about God's heart. I just want to talk about me, my own fleshly identification with my own people. No, he's giving them an example that the, that the Gentile church is to attempt to, to follow. They are to be, so to speak, discipled by the heart of the man who was uniquely called by God to go into the nations and bring to them the knowledge of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob.
0: Yes, is so extraordinary, Paul's life mission, and he ends up giving his life for, life mission too. gives his life for the Gentile world, the church of the nations, and yet he carried a constant pain because of the lost sheep of the house of Israel to the point that he said, one reason I'm going to you Gentiles is because God wants to use you to provoke my own people, Israel, to envy. And thereby, he reflected God's heart. David, this is a real labor of love. This book, it's going to touch many. We'll do our best to get word out to others. Again, I'm holding it up for everyone watching for the sake of the fathers. And it's unique. It really opens up. A New Testament View of God's Love for the Jewish People. Hey, David, keep up the great work. May the Lord use this book to touch many.
2: Amen. And, Michael, thank you for the encouragement.
0: You're welcome. All right, friends, we come back. We'll talk about the 70th anniversary of Israel. I'm going to be joined by my friend and colleague, Scott Bolt. Wouldn't it be cool, next February, to will all be sitting together in Israel? After a day of touring, they're sitting around. I'll be answering questions and doing radio. And, wouldn't that be cool? We'll be right back.
2: We want, for fire
1: we please the fire. it's the line of fire with your host dr michael brown get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH here again is dr michael brown
0: Welcome, welcome to Thirdly Jewish Thursday on the line of fire. Michael Brown, it is the 70th anniversary of Israel. Uh, Jerusalem Post, I mean, headlines everywhere. Uh, But yesterday, as Israel celebrates 70th birthday, population grows to 8.842 million. Amazing. So almost 9 million. Population increased uh more than tenfold from eight hundred six thousand at the country's establishment in nineteen forty eight to approximately eight point eight point eight point four two million today this just in seventy years it's expected to reach fifteen point two million by two thousand forty eight. Wow that's wild and there is a documentary uh C B N they've got some really great Israel documentary, C B N documentary to life and uh debuted just, what, a day or two ago, uh, how Israeli volunteers are changing the world. And that's one ethic with Israel. They go and help around the world. I mean, you'll see all these Christian relief agencies and then Israelis helping. So it is called To Life. Check that out. I'm sitting here with my dear friend and colleague, Scott Volk. And by the time we take our tour to Israel next year, God willing, February of next year, 1st through 10th. How many times will you be in Israel before then?
3: uh, I'll be in Israel four times more this year, and then that will be my first trip in 2019. I can't wait. Got it.
0: And so you've been over there so many times. What? Obviously, you weren't there at the founding. It was before you and I were were born. You're in your early 50s. So uh, when you go over there, what what makes it so miraculous, so 70 years, what, what strikes
3: you? Well, what strikes me is what I see in Israel today. Israel, the, one of the largest exporters of fruits and flowers... <laughs> In the Middle East. And
0: what was it like 70 years ago?
3: Well, I don't know what it was like 70 years ago, but I've read that Mark Twain visited, and when he visited, he wrote that it was a, a, a barren waste, a godforsaken barren wasteland. Who, in their right mind, would want anything to do with with this yeah. country? And you know how a
0: lot of the Israeli settlers died in, in the earlier years, the Khalidzim, the pioneers. How was that? Ma- malaria. Amazing. sea fly. They were draining swamps. Swamps. Incredible. Yeah. yeah so, I
3: mean... But you would, you'd have no idea. I mean, it—it it not only does it not look like a 70-year-old country, but it is blooming. That desert is blooming, and there's life. So whatever the name of that documentary was, what was it called? To Life. To Life. L'Chaim. I mean, that's, to me, when I'm in Israel, I think of the word life, chai. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, so, uh, when, again, we talk about this all the time, but when, when people go over there, they're prepared, they've read you know, tour guide stuff, they know it's the land of the Bible, and yet something happens. Is it just what they're seeing with their eyes? Is there something happening spiritually as well?
3: I think it's a mixture of both, bro. And uh, the thing that always blows me away is seeing people, and it, it's without them even being spoken to, something happens deep inside when they recognize, not only is this the land that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob longed for and were promised. But it's the land that the Messiah walked in. So when you see the eyes of the people as we're on the Sea of Galilee, or we're sitting on the southern steps knowing that Yeshua himself walked up these very steps to the temple in Jerusalem, it's a mind-boggling thing. And even to the, the fiercest critic of Israel, and I've had a few of them with me on my trips, their hearts are completely saturated with the fact that God chose this land and that their Messiah walked there.
0: You know, some years back while ministering in Holland, I had a free afternoon and we went over to Harlem in Holland, which was the Corrie boomhouse. Boom house. So their house, their apartment above the watchmaker shop, and they still have the, the watchmaker shop there. And you go through the room and they show you, okay, here, this actually, uh, the walls opened up. And behind there is where Jewish families lived and were hidden. And it, it was completely emotionally overwhelming for me. When, when we were leaving, the tour was ending. I, I just stopped on a stairwell, and what, I, I was convulsively weeping mm. just with because of what happened there. Mm. But we're not talking about Jesus walked here, right. or, or Elijah called down fire from heaven right. here, or that's where there's going to be the final battle and conflict.
3: Right. The whole issue, to me, is life from the dead. It's really it. God chose a barren wasteland that is now blooming with life. Israel's salvation is going to be like life from the dead. And I think that's the very thing that happens inside the hearts of people. Dead places come to life when they see the God of life in the land of Israel. That is it. So uh, interestingly, I was in, in that same place in Harlem and I was blown away. But I think it was Neil Armstrong who said, look, I walked on the moon, and that was one thing. But stepping place, stepping my feet on the ground that Jesus walked on is an entirely different thing, and it doesn't even compare. Incredible. Yeah.
0: Incredible. You know, the, I, I'm writing a scholarly article for, for a book that debunks replacement theology, and it deals with misuse of Galatians 3.16. But in the midst of it, I talk about God's promises to, about the land. Mm-hmm. And I I was struck by this. I was not aware of the statistic before, but the word Eretz in in the Hebrew Bible is the fourth most common noun. So Eretz is land, Eretz Israel, land of Israel. So Eretz is the fourth most common noun in the entire Hebrew Bible. So it actually mattered. So people say, yeah, but, but the Jews that have come back into the land, they didn't come back as believers isn't this an example of first the natural, then the spiritual?
3: Mm. Well, the interesting thing, and, and you would know better than I, but there's a prophetic word that God was going to bring them back, right, in their unbelief. Yes, sir. And then wa- the, wash them, right, with the water. Uh, and, and to me, that's, that's the word. And right now, that statistic that you read about people living in Israel, I think there are more Jews in Israel now than, than there's at least 50% of the Jewish population of the world lives in Israel. Isn't that
0: correct? Yeah, it's, it's, it's right around 50%. Uh, and some would even say slightly over 50, 50% depends on how we number world Jewry. There's debate on that. But think of this. You have a little over 6 million Jews living in the land. So yeah. the number wiped out by the Holocaust. Right. 70 years later, you have a little, little over 70 years later, a little over 6 million. So that number very significant. And then the rest, you've got about 2 million Arabs living there and then other, other peoples. Phenomenal. So Scott, our Tour, February 1st through 10th, folks can go to my website askdrbrown.org, askdrbrown.org, and just click on the Israel banner. They'll see it on, on the homepage, February 1st through 10th. Uh, we're talking about this tour being holy fire <laughs> in the Holy Land. Mm. So not only touring the sites and having that amazing time together with an incredible tour guide and with you out, with me teaching it at key points, because the tour guide does a great job. I just right. supplement here and there. But holy far in the holy land, we've got some special plans this time.
3: Yeah, I'm really, I'm really stoked, to use uh, my kid's term, <laughs> about, about this trip for a couple of reasons. Look, I, I've been there 25-plus times, and I never get tired of going to the sites. The sites are amazing. But in addition to going to the sites, there's going to be interaction with believers, some of the very... Jewish people who were born in the land, who immigrated back to the land, who are believers and leaders in the land. We're going to be rubbing shoulders with them, having them speak to our group. Arab leaders and believers, even an unsaved Orthodox Jew is going to come and we're going to do a Torah study together like we did last time. That's all going to be happening and that's going to be incredible. But for me, I'm really excited about doing this in a special way because in the evening time as as you're focusing in on really interacting with the people at, at, at our meals and at dinner, and especially these after-dinner meetings. I just think it's going to be an opportunity for questions and answers, for ministry, for teaching, for impartation. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really excited about it.
0: Yeah, so it. We'll, we'll have some worship at night. Yeah. I'll, I'll pray the words sometimes. Yeah. Others Q&A. In fact, there's a, there's a medical doctor who's a regular supporter of our ministry. He's one of our torchbearers, a monthly supporter. And he's he's coming over. He he's shot us a note. He'll he'll be there. I think Wonderful. with some of his family. But he already has a list of questions that he wants to ask, <laughs> ask me, Dr. Brown. Yeah, yeah, at, at yeah. night. So it gives us a time to to be intimate. With with those that are on the tour, yeah, uh, you know, some tours may have you know five buses with you know hundreds and hundreds of people. So ours are smaller. We may have we have fifty or a hundred people max. So you really we get time together. Yes. So we'll, we'll be out in the day, and then we'll be getting together at night. Yeah. So friends, now's the time to sign up. Go to the website askdrbrown.org dot org. It trust me, it'll be here before you know it. Get your deposit in now. We can't wait to be together with you. Hey, listen. There is a a friend of yours, Scott. Uh, we've been interacting. There's a critical situation. I want to draw to everyone's attention, and uh, I want to go to Israel. Uh, Karim, are you there? Yes, I'm here. All right. Uh, where are you right now as we speak, sir?
4: Right now, I'm in um, I'm in Israel.
0: In Israel. All right. And north of Israel, the country of Turkey. Something very important is happening there. President Trump has gotten involved, but we wanted to take a minute on this Thoroughly Jewish Thursday broadcast to focus on what's happening. So please take a minute to share with our listeners and our viewers this very urgent matter.
4: About 18 months ago, um, a pastor uh, by the name of Andrew Brunson, who lives in Izmir, Turkey, Uh, many of your viewers probably know it from uh, Smyrna in the Bible, but it's now today um, modern Izmir, was uh, detained on immigration matters um, by the Turkish government and was threatened with deportation. Uh, The the whole thing sort of turned into then him being uh, detained for um, matters regarding to the coup in 2016. Mm. And uh, he was then basically detained, or has been detained, for the last 18 months without trial and without charges just until about a month ago. Um, and held basically as a political hostage for what Turkey suspects is the person who orchestrated that coup in 2016. So mm. basically, what was an immigration issue turned into a, uh, a political espionage try or political espionage issue, but basically has sort of brought Turkish and um, U.S. relations to an all-time low. Um, what's now sort of uh, turned into basically a trial that uh has been as just just the trial actually just sort of um, started last week I'm not it started um on uh, monday he's still being detained but uh what 's significant is that it 's now become a issue that 's gone to the highest ranks of government between Turkey and the united states
0: so this is something obviously has the attention of believers in Israel as well we should be praying. Is there anything else, Pastor Andrew Brunson, is the name? anything else that we can be doing?
4: Well, the, uh, of course, the best thing to do is pray. The American Center for Law of Justice is also advocating on his behalf. There's a senator, um, I believe it's a former senator from, I'm not sure, from Kansas, and then a senator and then a congressman from North Carolina that's attending the trial. What I believe very significant about this is that... Well, Terry, right, stay, stay right
0: there. Stay right there. We'll take one more minute on the other side of the
1: break. It's the Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown
0: thanks for joining us on thoroughly jewish thursday i'm in studio with my dear friend and colleague scott volk hoping that you'll be joining us on just our third ever tour i i'm i'm going to israel god willing in may doing ministry there speaking at a very controversial conference in bethlehem but tours. It's very rare that I do. So this will be our third one ever, February 1st through 10th. We'll tell you more about that in a moment. But if you're looking on your cell phone, go to askdrbrown.org. You'll see, uh, if you scroll across the top, you'll see a banner that'll come across the Israel banner. Just click on that. So uh, back to Israel with Karim. We're talking about Pastor Andrew Brunson in prison without trial until now in Turkey with the real danger that this could just be an opportunity for the government to falsely accuse him and and put him away, President Trump directly involved in this. And, and folks, you can go to ACLJ, the American Center for Law and Justice, to find out more, signing a petition. They're always good at having you do that. But, Karim, why was this so important? You just started to share it before the break.
4: Well, similar, I, I look back at the history of the United States and how presidents have gotten involved with um, people have been incarcerated or have been falsely accused. Can I look back at Nathan Sharansky's situation in the Soviet, former Soviet Union in the 80s, where Ronald Reagan actually got involved and saw Sharansky released or was part of the release of Sharansky after nine years in prison? What that did then is it led a whole exodus of Jews from the Soviet Union back to Israel. And in the same way, many of us are, are praying that the situation with Andrew Brunson will mobilize and enlist prayer for many nations, not just in North America, but from all over the world, that will get people praying for Turkish and Kurdish Muslims.
2: Because mm. ultimately,
4: he's, as, as Paul was, he's, on, he's in jail right now because of his faith. And Christianity right now is in trial in Turkey. So we want this to continue to be put before people's, you know, uh, in, in the media and other places so that Turkish people uh, there will know why he's there, and they will say, wait a minute, what's happening with this guy? Why is he in jail? what's going on, and the real issue of the gospel will be put, or the real truth of the gospel will be put for that. So it's important that people pray. That's the one thing. The second thing, this has also become uh, the whole relationship between Turkey and Israel's involved in this, because this last week also uh, Net- President, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu and President Erdogan were going at it in the same way that Trump and uh, President Erdogan were going at it as well. And this has to do with freedom for minorities and uh, Christians and others in the Middle East, so it's a very mm-hmm. important issue that that's being you know sort of followed not only in North America but all over the nation, and I and I believe Israel the same way that Natan Sharansky's imprisonment was being followed and um, and and watched very closely and led to freedom for many Jews from Russia to be able to immigrate to Israel. We're praying that Turkish. And Kurdish people, you know Muslims will come yeah. to faith as a result of Andrew's witness and him being faithful to the Lord in prison Amen. and even through this trial.
0: and you know uh, karim uh, it, it's it's interesting to see as all this unfolds, but Turkey has swung so far to be much more radical Islamic than it had been in well, I mean in modern history it's 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 taken a real a real serious swing. And you know that that also leads to a lot of oppression of of people. And, of course, there's been violence back and forth and Kurds suffering. So by all means, friends, and thank you for the call, sir. And we we did arrange this uh, call, so we wanted to bring this to your attention. Pray God save Andrew Brunson and God save Turkey. If you don't know how else to pray, God save Andrew Brunson and save Turkey because this pastor was there as a gospel witness in Turkey, not for a coup against the government. So let us pray, and let's be appreciative that our government is saying, hey, this is wrong. This is wrong. And this directly affects Israel as well. Turkey has swung in a way that it's become an ally of Israel's enemies. So thank you, sir, for the call from Israel. You know, Scott, as Karen was talking, I I, I was thinking about this. I was on the plane the other day coming back from California, and the guy next to me, a major businessman with a company with branches all around the world. So we were comparing countries we've been to, et cetera. So I said, so out of everywhere you've been, and he's been everywhere. I said, what was the most interesting place of all? He said, probably the Galapagos Islands. He said, there's nobody. <laughs> I mean, you think of this nature preserved, There's nobody there. We're yeah. going on. So he said to me, what about me? And I said, you know, going back and forth, I said, there's something about the old city of Jerusalem. He said, oh, oh, yeah. Israel, wow. Jerusalem. I would have put that on my list. So we've been to all wow. these places. I mean, the most exotic places imaginable. How do you even get there? This, and then the boat to there. They yeah. only take fifty people at a time on the boat. Galapagos. You got all these exotic animals still preserved. But Israel. There's somewhere you're in the old city, yeah. and there you have these historic, historic Catholic and Orthodox faith, and historic Muslim faith, and historic Jewish faith, and these and it's side by
3: side, yeah. and the whole old Arab and Muslim culture. It's It's remarkable. I'll never forget the first time I was standing at the Western Wall. And uh, I think it was uh, 2008 or 2009. Uh, I was standing in front of the wall. I'm sorry, it was 2005, bro. Standing in front of the wall. And I was putting my little piece of paper with my prayer request into one of the holes on the wall. And then outside of the speakers above the Western Wall was coming the Islamic noise the muslim call to prayer so right here in the ancient old city you've got this supernatural kind of contention but we know the end of the story and we know what jesus left from jerusalem he's coming back to jerusalem and he's going to reign from jerusalem so when we're there we it's really the eternal city that the lord himself chose it's an incredible place and you know what when i go
0: to the wall to pray uh, every trip there. It's always something moving and effective. There's nothing superstitious. Right. But you're just standing where all these generations of Jews have stood and wept and prayed for mercy and for redemption. And there's legalism in every religion. We, we know it. in yeah. every group there's legalism. So there's legalism among traditional Jews that are just saying the words. Right. But I've prayed side by side with traditional Jews enough times, and, and you could you could feel the passion you could hear it in the words that are being spoken and they're praying prayers for the redemption of Israel. Amazing. Praying prayers for the coming of the Messiah. You're thinking, I, I know the, I know the Messiah yeah. and you're, but you don't, you don't know the one that I know and you think he's an enemy. And, and it's, yeah. there's something so intense about it. It's, it's just, it is different than anywhere else in the rest of the world. So, hey, take a minute. Uh, I want you to invite our listeners and our viewers uh, to join us and I say, be out on the sea of Gal- on a boat in the Sea of Galilee. That's always a highlight.
3: Yeah, I, I encourage all of you who are listening. Um, you may have been to Israel before, you may never have been there. It's on so many people's bucket lists. But I really want to encourage you if you want a, a retreat away from the hustle and bustle of your life and go to a place where you will encounter the God of Israel imagine that he calls himself the God of Israel. That's Mm. the very, very place that we're going. Encountering the God of Israel in the land of Israel. I want to encourage you to come with Dr. Brown and to come with me. It really is going to be an amazing trip. I promise you, we will take great care of you. I also promise you that when you leave the place, one of your your comments is going to be, I can't believe how safe I felt here, how peaceful I felt. Don't let, don't let, the secular view of Israel keep you from coming or scaring you away that it's not a safe place to be? I'm telling you, we've been in... uh, Dr. Brown, you and I were there during one of the Intifadas, if I'm not mistaken, speaking at a conference. And even in the midst of that, we were utterly and completely safe. I'm telling you, uh, bring your kids, bring your family with you, Um, We have an amazing, amazing itinerary set up, and uh, if anybody comes back disappointed, I will personally make it up to you. It will be an incredible, incredible time.
0: And, and, And we're not suffering over there either.
3: No, we're not suffering because we're staying in four-and-a-half-star hotels. We're eating great meals, and even the guy who wrote the book about breaking the stronghold of food, you can have meat, you can have salad, you can have Mediterranean food. The food is absolutely delicious, but as wonderful as the the lodging and the food is Really, the intangible is what God does in the hearts of absolutely everyone who joins us.
0: All right, so friends, again, askdrbrown.org, click on the Israel banner, and join us. It's February 1st through 10th, and it it sounds like a long ways off, but when we first announced it, what, a couple, some weeks back, six weeks, two months, something... That's a lot of time. It's like, wait, wait, we're in April. Yeah, we're in
3: April. April. And here we have a limited number of seats on the bus. So the way we're handling it is it's really going to be first come, first serve. And we're not full, but we are filling up. So I just want to encourage anybody that's listening, all you have to do to secure your spot is to go to Dr. Brown's website, click on the banner and get your deposit. In your deposit will secure your spot on the bus. And you don't have... Uh, you don't have to come up with the rest of the money right away. There's actually a payment plan that everybody will be on and you can save your money. And it's really, I'm telling you, bro, I'm really, really excited about this trip.
0: Yeah. Same here. And you know, it's it's so interesting because we've done the tours and people are so impacted. And I love, I love being with everyone. And you know, we still hear from people. I'll, I'll run into the meetings. Oh yeah, we were on the tour. There's yeah. something special about it, but I just want to go there and minister. I don't want to think about a tour or anything. and, and so the whole team, you know, talked about it and said, okay, what can we do that would be that's something I'd look forward to as much yeah. as everyone? I thought, well, if we could do special times at night yeah. on top of the tour, everyone that wants to, yeah. you know, and, and add into it and make it different than anything yeah. That excites me, because I, lo- I love being with people face-to-face. And
3: these nighttime meetings are only going to be our group. There may be one time where we have other people from the outside come in, but this is just going to be a real house. tight-knit group yeah. together, in a room, sitting in a circle, and enjoying the Lord together. So let-
0: let's do it February 1st through 10th. and Thank God for His mercy, restoring the Jewish people to the land. Let's pray daily that they would be stored, stored to the Lord and that they would recognize Jesus, Yeshua, as Messiah. Tomorrow, you've got questions, we've got answers.